0: just because trucks need tires and you have tires do not mean that they will buy them from you. So, um, yeah, from from that point, you know, it really, uh, it engineers a way of really getting creative, getting thoughtful around what you can do to really leverage the marketplace where they see you as valuable. Because no matter what the product is that you sell or the service that you offer, if the marketplace sees you as valuable, like Tyler said, the money will come.
1: everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I am so humbled, so honored to be in this position to even host this panel. We have some amazing individuals, all very, very successful in their own right. And I'm a very spiritual person, so I did want to open this up in prayer. Might be a little different, but, you know, thank you. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Everybody with the same understanding and the same goal of to Make their lives, their family lives, their communities' lives better. Uh, please use me as a vessel to uh, clearly get all the games to extrapolate all the games so that everybody in attendance here can apply it to their business. I'm extremely grateful, extremely humbled. In Jesus name, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Thank you. So again, my name is Jory Myers. I've done quite a few different things in the transportation and logistics space, but for the last three years I've been creating educational content, and I've had the pleasure to interview all type of individuals across the industry, and they have been in very niche uh, you know, areas. So I'm honored to be able to talk to you guys here. If we're just going to start down the line so that you each can uh, introduce yourself and what you, go, you have going on.
2: I am Star Skidmore with 16 Phase Diesel. It's the first woman-owned diesel repair facility located in Union City, Georgia.
3: I'm Tyler Robertson. I'm the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. We basically make diesel technicians more efficient through diagnostic tools, training, repair information, and a remote call center where we help people out in the field be better at fixing trucks.
0: My name is Kamar Johnson. My brother and I own a chain of commercial tire dealerships on the East Coast, and we sell tires to trucking companies.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you again, everybody, for being here. Yeah, clap it up. All right. And this session is Riches in the Niches. So we're basically the objectives are to talk about what they each do, you know, the impact that they're having in their segment and essentially how this can influence what you guys have going on in your own businesses. Uh, so let's start at the end right here, Brother Kamar, how long have you guys been in business and what do you feel like is your unfair advantage as to how you've been able to scale your company?
0: Yeah, so my brother actually started the company with seven used tires in the shed of his backyard July 22, 2016. So, uh, a real life relatable uh, Apple Steve Jobs garage type of story for sure. So um, I think our biggest thing has just been over indexing on care. You know the facility is, uh, the industry is very uh, transactional and for us we, we really make things more about rapport, more about relationship building. We have an incredible team that is over indexed with care and that's because they feel cared for from the top down between my brother and I. And so. For us from an organization standpoint, I think that that's been the real biggest advantage to us to really turn the lever to becoming the fastest growing commercial tire dealership in the country.
1: Nice, nice, nice. And we'll just come down the line, Tyler.
3: Yeah, so I started my business a little over eight years ago, very similar in my garage dining room table. I I was hoping to quit my job and it just turned into a big thing. We got a little over 200 employees now. uh, Very, very fast growing company. And I, I think there's two things we do, we do really well. One, we sell solutions to people, not products. So that creates a, a huge differentiator out there for us. And it's just been a continual reinvesting back in the company, like every dollar we make, we go right back into products, and we just continually find ways to solve people's problems and make their jobs a little bit easier. And when you do those things, the business and the revenue tend to follow.
1: Yes sir, yes sir, Ms. Star?
2: So I started in the industry in 2005, um, where I started in a dealership. Um, I purchased my first truck in 2020. I combined those those industries together. It's the same industry, just a smaller vehicle versus a bigger vehicle. Um, in 2000, well, last year, I opened the diesel shop. Um, and for the most part, it's running very good. Uh, it's a, I'm accustomed to working in dealerships and the service department. So all of that knowledge that I gained working there helps me with getting the business together today.
1: Perfect, perfect, perfect. And as the first woman-owned diesel shop, do you feel like that's an unfair advantage? Yeah. How so?
2: Well, I mean, you, you know, people, they don't tend to look at females the same way they look at a male. Um, they, they would pretend to, well, tend to, I guess would go with what a male would say over what a female would say. So they probably don't think that you're knowledgeable enough um, a lot of what I have to do is just pretty much stand my ground and let them know that I know what I'm talking about. I did, I'm, I've done the research, I've worked in it, I know what I'm doing, so I just have to keep pushing, but sometimes Perfect. I do get that.
1: Yes, get that ma'am. yes ma'am, that back push, but I'm happy that you've been able to stand in it, know that you're what you're doing, be confident. Mm-hmm. And Tyler, in your experience, I know that you've been able to consolidate all the different fault co- among the other solutions that you're providing uh, you've been able to consolidate all the different fault codes that will come from these diesel um, engines and equipment all these different manufacturers and give them one solution how has that changed the game you know innovation wise
3: yeah so I mean I, I've been in the diesel repair world since I got kicked out of college years ago right like this is what I, what I know really really well and I think People uh, that don't, that aren't there, but people that have trucks think like there's this intrinsic knowledge and everyone in these shops knows everything, how to fix everything. It is, not, it is not the case at all. I worked at an OEM dealership and you'd be amazed how little training the OEM dealership technicians actually get in this whole field. So it, you end up with really complicated systems. You have a truck with a, a Freightliner truck, with a Detroit engine, with an Eaton transmission, a Wabco ABS system, and someone else's trailer. So you have all these different manufacturers with all these different codes and computers that are going on, and one of the things that's happened in the recent history is I don't have to buy eight pieces of software, I can buy one tool and hook up to everything on my vehicle and see all the things going on. So for us, cataloging the fault codes, I remember years ago when someone I told someone, like, look, I'm going to catalog every fault code that's ever existed for every commercial truck, and we're going to give that information away for free. And they were like, man, do you know how many codes there are? I'm like, I'm going to find out. And there was like 80,000 of them. So it's just trying to make, trying to give access to information, trying to get rid of that that paywall essentially, or that brick wall between the, the information that the dealerships have and the information you need to make a business decision when your truck does have a check engine light on or a problem on to be able to do those things. One of the big innovations we just came out with was fault code to part number. So now customers can go from a fault code all the way to the part number they need to buy in less than 30 seconds. So we're just trying to do whatever we can technology wise to shorten up the repair process to get the vehicle back on the road quicker. Because I know some of those wait times are horrendous at some of the places you guys probably bring your trucks in to get worked on. Yes, sir. Yes,
4: sir. Business owners are used to wearing many hats, but accountant should not be one of them. Receipts, payroll, taxes, 1099s, insurance, bookkeeping, it's time to get your back office off your back. You can consolidate your financial operations into one flat monthly plan that takes care of all of your accounting, payroll, and tax needs. Meet Transpost CFO, powered by Venning, a full-service CPA and business advisor, helping companies like yours save time, money, and headaches. Hate math? We love it and have been doing this since 1978. We manage your entire financial operating system and provide you with a single point of contact, saving you time and money so you can get out of the back office and back to business.
1: Kamard, you know thinking about speaking about innovation in a segment where everything that's moving on some type of equipment your product is necessary do you feel as though it's easy to innovate what's going on when you have such a a very integral part of the transportation product
0: we're working on some things that i feel will definitely help the antiquation that the industry just like trucking has seen, and then you've had the the technology come in and definitely be able to make it easier to do a lot of things. We have some things we're working on to do that in the truck tire industry. So
1: yeah, stay tuned. Yes sir, yes sir. And if there's anybody that I believe, I would say it's you man, you've hit the ground running and you even talked about earlier, just your differentiator is service. You care about your fleet owners, your owner operators that choose you before anybody else. What are those other solutions that you guys have been able to provide so that your customers come back, not only for the tires, but for the other values that you're adding to them?
0: I'll start with the the light mechanical uh, that we are starting to now offer, whether that be alignments, whether that be shocks, kingpins, slack adjusters, those kind of things. But I think the biggest thing that keeps people coming back is the fact that we've proven through trial and error that if you have an issue with anything that we do or any product that you purchase from us, we're gonna be there for you just as excited to fix that situation on the back end after the money has been collected and typically from there you're on your own, then we would, then most people would see from, from a traditional tire shop. So um, I, I really believe that that's one of the biggest things they know that before doing and after the sale, we got their back.
1: Yes sir, yes sir. And Star, I mean, just thinking about what you got going on, not only as a fleet owner, but also servicing all these other fleet owners and their equipment, getting them back on the road. Are there any times intersections with products like uh, diesel laptops and having that ability to uh, seamlessly provide that that solution for them?
2: Well, yeah. So we do have a software. We um, we currently use uh, Mitchell One, where you can go in there. Um, they do have technical bulletins and. Um, those type of information that the technician can they can go to if they're stuck or if they need some help or need to see a diagram of what they need to look at for that for that truck so we do have like the software and I was actually networking with him to get some more you know um, information that we can help the technician diagnose properly to make sure that they're you know, getting it fixed
1: right the first time. Right, right, right. And as you guys can tell, I'm a very spiritual person, and I've even learned that sometimes when things don't work out the way that I wanted it to, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing, it's just like, ultimately, where am I being directed? And I think, Tyler, you're the perfect person to ask this question to. Like, right, how many times were you redirected to get to where you are now, which is a very successful business owner? <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about running a business, and all
3: of you know this, you get punched in the gut a lot, right? Yes. Like, it's just, it's just nonstop, and a lot of times, it's the ones you don't see coming at you that, that knock you on the hardest. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's very challenging growing a business. So, like, what I've learned in my business is as it grows and scales, you, you end up plateauing, right? You hit a certain level, and that's that's far as you get. And really, what it comes down to is the people and processes inside your company. Like you constantly have to be. We were just talking about this beforehand. Uh, and by the way, we're going to get a diesel repair subscription, so you can Absolutely stop not. using my competitor's product after, <laughs> after this. But uh, yeah, it's constant. I mean, we we have a whole division, a department of our company, and all they do is map out workflows and processes and constantly go back and like, how can we be better? 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 And it's just you have to have that unrelenting focus if you want to keep scaling and growing your company. Not everyone needs to, not everyone wants to, but if you want to, you have to. Otherwise you'll 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 never understand why you're why you hit that threshold. And for me, it was me. I was I was the roadblock. I was the guy that founded the company, did all the things, we weren't growing. And at the end of the day, it was I'd look in the mirror and it was it was me that was holding the company back and not giving up control to other people and allowing them to make decisions to go grow the business. And it's those things you learn, those really expensive lessons you learn as you go through, uh, I mean, I've made million-dollar mistakes over there, right? And those are, those are some tough pills to swallow,
1: but I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a risk taker, I'm gonna keep making those bets all day long. That's yes, cool. sir, yes, sir, I love to hear it. Um, you know, Kamard, let me ask you this. This is riches in the niches, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You know, what are some of those growing pains that you guys found out while you were scaling your company, maybe some of the relationships that you had things change. Let's elaborate on that.
0: Yeah, for starters, just because trucks need tires and you have tires do not mean that they will buy them from you. So, um, (laughs) yeah, from from that point, you know, it really uh, engineers a way of really getting creative, getting thoughtful around what you can do to really leverage the marketplace where they see you as valuable. Because no matter what the product is that you sell or the service that you offer, if the marketplace sees you as valuable, like Tyler said, the money will come. So that was the first lesson. Second lesson was that, for me, my individual working career, I've been a salesperson all my life, commissioned sales. So if anybody has done that work, you know that it is dog eat dog, and it is all on you in the sense of how much or how little you make. And so I wanted that responsibility at an early age, which my mother didn't understand because she came from the traditional land of you go to work, you get paid a certain hourly wage, and you come home, and you got a check at at the end of the week, whereas I would come home and sometimes I didn't have anything and so it forced me to become resourceful and to truly increase my skill sets, right, to become valuable to those people that were coming into the different stores for the products that I was selling. And so I took that to then be very hyper-focused on my own stats in the business right? Which I feel like so many of us as entrepreneurs do because for, to, to be successful to a degree, you kind of got to have the, the mindset of wearing all hats and doing whatever is required of you, which then on the backside, as you start to hire people and grow a team, it actually works against you. And so for me, I had to step out of the role of being an all-star individual player. And now I'm working on becoming an all-star coach that helps assist people with finding their ability to tap into things internal to become all-star uh, players on the team. So. Yeah, that was one of the biggest learning lessons for sure that I'm still going through, but it's by far the thing that I feel like is the lever that has really taken us to a new level um, as a company. So really proud of that. Um, a coach on the, on the fly, learning it as we go, but it's, it's definitely something I take a lot of pride in now for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Making sure that your compliance is on point is an integral part of any trucking related business. Today, I stopped by my friends over at Fleet Drive 360 to talk about what they're building to make sure that you can run a successful trucking company.
5: And it's everything from the minute you decide you want to hire somebody through maintaining all of your FMCSA compliance documents for ongoing fleet or or owner operator truck uh, business. You've got a driver hiring and recruiting module where you'll create driver qualification files, import digital documents. You've got a drug and alcohol module where you can schedule pre-employment drug tests and manage an ongoing testing pool. We've got an accident registry so you can keep your mandated accident logs and even schedule follow-up drug testing for post-crash. We've got vehicle maintenance logs so you can not only maintain the compliance status of your vehicles but also upload your work orders and compliance related documents so you're audit ready when they come in we've got a document repository fancy words for digital cloud storage of any document that you want not just necessarily the compliance documents anything related to your business post crash videos performance evaluations and then finally you've got the dashboard and the dashboard is the most important part you can close your eyes and glance at our dashboard open them glance at the dashboard and immediately know whether or not you're compliant or not both on a driver company and vehicle level it's one stop shop for all your compliance needs.
1: And Tyler, I know that you come from the background. You've been in the industry. For years and years to understand the exact needs of fleet owners and mechanic—I mean, uh, diesel shop owners. Uh, do you feel like there's an opportunity to skip your 10,000 hours of practice before you can really level up in this industry? So
3: I'll, I'll tell you like how most diesel repair shops come to exist. It's usually a diesel technician that's usually really, really good at their job decides I don't want to work for somebody else anymore, and I'm going to I'm going to go start my own business. And it's, I'm sure it's very similar in the trucking industry, right? Someone drives truck and decides, I'm going to start my own trucking company. And the problem is that the industry has is the diesel technicians are really, really good at fixing trucks. They don't know how to run and start and, and operate a business. And I'm sure as you've learned, yeah. cash flow, collecting money from people, yep. like <laughs> communicating well. like you have to do so many things right in the repair process. You can do 100 things right and one thing wrong and that customer is like tearing you a new one, right? I was a service manager over 30 techs for years. I can count on my hand the number of times a customer said thank you or wrote me a nice <laughs> note during email or a voicemail, right? It, but it was like that every day, just getting berailed by the salesperson, the customer, the service driver, the technician. It, it is a very unglamorous job, but there is a ton of opportunity for like what you're doing. I mean, there are such a shortage of repair shops across the country Currently on Indeed, there's over 40,000 open jobs positions for diesel techs, and the very first job when I opened up had 127 open jobs, right? So there's more like 50 to 60 to 70,000 open jobs for diesel technicians. So when you're wondering why your truck's not being worked on or not getting done quick, there's not enough people, and the process is, is stuck in like 30 years ago. Like it's amazing how far behind it is compared to automotive where you're from. It is, it is so far behind and it's It's trying, technology's trying, but it's really hard to go get new people to be like,
1: hey, you wanna be a diesel tech? It's. It's a really hard thing to get, all the skilled trades are suffering the same problem. Yeah. Yes sir, yes sir. And this next question is kind of for, the panel, everybody, because this is Riches for the Niches. I'm just going to put an assumption out there, right, that somebody, everybody out here is in traditional trucking. You know, the majority of the people who I've spoken to, you own a truck, you own a fleet, you own a broker side, you're moving freight in some capacity, so these are very specific situations, but For people who might be traditional trucking and they're trying to implement what you guys are doing, maybe even uh, see whether or not it's an idea for them, there's a real thing of scam culture, you know what I mean? people who might be paying for information, information that might not be up to par, and that type of you know, capacity for you as a diesel shop mechanic owner, but also someone who has a fleet of themselves, like how do you, how do you vet out uh, someone that's trying to scam you on the service providing side of things, you know, if you had to take your truck to another service provider and you, know, you didn't know how to identify what was real, what was fluff?
2: well that's one of the reasons that you know motivate me to get my own shop because i do have my own fleet of trucks and i need to have a mechanic that i can actually trust because you do have some that'll they'll tell you that this is wrong what's wrong with it and it's not and you're paying for a repair that you really did not need so what i would like for people to know when they come to 16 phase diesel is that we have a fleet of trucks so if i have my own fleet i don't want them working on my truck if they can't fix the truck because then now you're messing with my money So in order for me to stop that, I have to look for qualified people to work in my shop. And for people, like all the people that we get, a lot of my clients, um, our our customers are um, fleet owners, or no, I'm sorry, they're owner operators, or Mm -hmm. some of them are fleet owners. But the main thing they say is they need someone they can trust. They've been to this shop, they want to give us a chance. So a lot of people, they give us a chance and we fix their truck, excuse me. And when we we show that we provide quality service, then they start coming to us. We actually win their business. So it's hard to be able to tell what's, what's, you know, if I'm being scammed or if I'm not, if you don't know anything about the truck.
1: Right, 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 right. And, you know, that's the reason why I wanted to come to you, Kamar, in the sense of, you know, that was the conversation on a service-based provider. But when you're talking about uh, units, you're purchasing, you're sourcing, how do you go about doing that vetting process for people who might be interested, you know, potentially in opening up a tire shop?
0: Yeah, if you are interested, I would definitely encourage it. It obviously goes hand in hand with trucking. Um, As long as they ride on rubber, they're going to need tires. And so even with the the autonomous trucks coming, they're not going to be flying. They're still going to be riding on rubber. So it can be very lucrative. I mean, we've been able to just selling tires alone with three stores, we've been able to grow to eight figures. So yeah, definitely riches in the niches for sure. Um, In addition to that, the, the, The scamming piece, you know, for this industry is more about tire purchases, right? As you continue to get larger, of course, just like for the end user who buys the tires from us, we're looking for tires at a a fair price, whether that be domestic tires or import tires. And so on the import side, you know, you can find yourself engaged in conversations that seem very fruitful in the sense of what that price will come to. And one or two things happen, either they're not legit and you send money and you don't get any tires, which has definitely happened to us. So uh, I know um, almost a half a million dollars one time. Um, and then the second option is you will get it. But if you don't thoroughly understand about importing, there's so many other fees that can rack up for it. By the time you get the tire, you could have bought it probably local, locally just for the same price or maybe just a little more. So. Um, that would be that case. And then on the domestic side with some of the, the brands, you know, some of them can be very prideful. So you, you got to just like, again, being valuable to the marketplace, you have to really have a compelling story as to why they would want you to be an authorized dealer for their products, such as your Michelin's, your Bridgestone's, Goodyear's, et cetera. And so that has come with time where we've figured that angle out. and so. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's always something to do. Uh, Just like anybody else that's in here in business for their sales, it's it's an ongoing job for us. We don't punch out. There's no clocking in or clocking out. It goes with us on vacation. It's with me at dinner with my wife. And uh, yeah, so get a supportive partner as well. Um, I think that would be very, very
1: wise. (laughs) That's a huge piece, man. You got to have that support at home. You definitely have to have that support at home with all the hours that you're going to be putting in. And we are going to be closing out pretty soon. And I wanted to, you know, just have this as the question to the whole entire panel. Uh, You know, it can be life, business, your niche experience. Uh, What's something that you would actually want to leave? What's your final remarks to the audience before we close out? And we'll start with you, Tyler.
3: Yeah, I would say if, you, if you're running trucks, uh, you don't need to spend a lot of money anymore to actually view what's going on in your vehicle diagnostic-wise. There's Bluetooth, that, that phone in everyone's pocket, you can turn into a diagnostic tool for a couple hundred bucks, right? They're great investments. Uh, that's a, a great way to get started. I will also say, kind of go back in the question about the repair shops. You know, there's a saying, right? It's uh, good service isn't cheap and cheap service isn't good. So you do want to go to a reputable place, people that know what they're doing, referrals. There's a lot of different ways to kind of vet somebody. But find good service providers, have a good relationship with that service manager or that foreman or that technician. It'll do wonders for you getting that trucking out of the shop much
1: quicker. Yes, sir. And Ms. Star?
2: I would say to educate yourself a lot when you're trying to hop into the trucking business i know a lot of people want to go in there they look at all the money that you can make um, in running your trucks um as far as the mechanic side of it you know having qualified technicians is the hardest part of running a shop so without us you know having our own fleet it's very important for us to be able to provide quality service not just You know, getting the trucks in there and getting them out, but actually providing quality service. We also call, we make sure we call and, you know, ask our customers, how was your service? Are you happy? What can we do to make everything better? How can your experience be better the next time you come in? So we just try to go with that extra mile to let you know it's more than just a money grab, that we're actually, you know, providing a good service and for you to come back. We want repeat customers, not just come and get your truck and go. So that's how we are at 16th Face.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And let's close it out, brother.
0: Yes, Star and Tyler said great things for sure. Uh, I definitely think the education piece for any industry or any business that you want to get into or are into, the more that you can become wise and educated about it, the better you can do. But my piece would be, whether it be trucking, whether it be tires, whether it be mowing lawn, all in every business, every market has its phases where you have strong and weak cycles. And so I do know that rates are definitely down historically right now, but do not allow that to uh, force you guys into fear or force you guys into unnecessary decisions in the sense of getting out of the business when it is something that I do think if you guys are able to weather the storm in whatever ways that you need to do, whatever sacrifices that you got to make, you know, I think it'll be good for you guys on the, on the other side of it. And so I would love to see you guys continue to push forward and stay in the business because that to me is really the ultimate win in business is staying in business. You know,
1: it's a tough thing to do. Well, yes, sir, yes, sir. So everybody, thank you to the panel. <laughs> the last thing that I would say just on my behalf is don't be afraid to be redirected. Um, I fell into this situation. My, my earliest experience in logistics came in Afghanistan, didn't know I was going to be doing it ended up opening a company, working in Dubai. Didn't know I was going to be doing it, but I was open to it. The way I even learned the game today, I got fired from my 9 to 5, and I was looking for a job. I was looking for a job, and that job thankfully taught me domestic truckload and the way that everything is interconnected today. And. The environment that I got fired out of was stuffy. Now I'm loving everything that I do, supply chain, transportation, and logistics. And had I had the opportunity, had God told me, this is, the, this is what you're gonna be doing, I probably would have said, no, let me stay in this stuffy environment. But I'm gonna say, it's, it's well worth it to be doing something that you really care about. Um, and that's, that's everything I have, thank you.
0: We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important?
5: Absolutely, Romel.
2: In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out.
5: Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go.
4: Twisted, confused, are stuck about trucks, don't be dumb, this is the place to come, truck and hustle, let's go!